team. We need to cut. Penalty marker on the other side of the field. They said I was round up offside. Was I? Sometimes, horse, just sometimes, you have to go slightly offsides. This slightly offsides is offsides because it's over on YouTube as well. You're watching a bonus episode. Normally, you can find slightly offsides over on Patreon, but it's available this week on YouTube as well. Yeah, I had no idea. You're, you look shocked. I'm shocked. Are you perplexed? Perplexed. I, I don't even know what to do right now. Dynamite drop in, Monty. You should have warned me. Should have warned you. And uh, I, one thing I want to talk to you about, Horse, is 49ers versus Bears game. It happened. We know it happened. It was a little frustrating for everyone. But now I want to talk to you about the biggest area of concern for the 49ers after that game. I would say their biggest area of concern would be their offense as a whole. The whole thing. The whole thing. They didn't move the ball consistently. They didn't put points on the board. They didn't finish drives. Um, they turned the ball over twice. They had a few drive-killing penalties. I mean, it's just, as a whole, they need to improve the execution of the offense. Clearly, they couldn't get their short pass and screen game working. Once again, that could have been due to the inclement weather. But it definitely did, never got going, and it, so it didn't open up the stuff downfield. And when he had Croft open downfield, he did miss him. I'm not blaming this solely on the quarterback, but... He also did not have a good game. And then when Elijah Mitchell went down, it seemed like the running game stalled. I mean, the two big elements of the run game were Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's surprising. Elijah Mitchell going for 6.8 yards per carry and Debo going for 6.5, which are nice. I think this offensive game plan was structured definitely around the weather. You know, how the weather was going to mm -hmm. be. Kyle Shannon had to make sure that they you know went multiple tight ends, run the football, they ran the ball for 177 yards on 37 carries. Yes. If you told me they were going to run it, you know, over 35 times, I would have thought they'd walk away with a win. Mm -hmm. However, you had key turnovers and you had key penalties. And I think that's the biggest concern right now is overall just fixing the mistakes that you made. Uh, it's an old kind of coaching point that people say all the time is, you know, they didn't beat us, we beat ourselves. And, and I think, that's definitely what happened. I think that's an opinion the 49ers you know, team has to have because I feel like if they executed at a higher level – in some important categories, they probably would have walked away with a win. Easily. I don't want to take anything away from the Bears because when it came down to it, the Bears executed when they need to and won the game. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's my biggest concern is 49ers just need to make sure because it was last year that they lacked in execution through the first six games as well. And they ended up with a 2-4 and four record. They can't put themselves in that same situation. So they got to fix it really fast. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be very smart to start out 2-4 and four again. I, it's not the goal. But yeah, I agree with you. They and it's kind of we're on a similar path here. They just need to clean it up as a whole. They just need to clean it up. Yeah, clean it up. And I think you know that's it's going to be on these this young coaching staff. Kyle Shanahan to put together a brand new coaching staff. There's a lot of turnover. Uh, these guys are going to have to get in there and get on their guys. And you know the the leadership of this team is going to have to take some of the the ownage as well and be like, hey, you know, we can't allow this to happen again. They've got to go to players like Drake Greenlaw and said, hey, clean up the unnecessary mistakes. We understand. Some of them weren't your fault, and that's okay. But the ones that were, fix those. The face masks, take care of that. We can't have those situations because we didn't need to give them first downs. We didn't need to give them free drives. All three of their touchdowns were on drives extended by a penalty. Exactly. And, I mean, that's one thing Nick Bosa was clear on, right? They can't move the ball. And they're getting 15-yard penalties you know, that are extending drives, and, and that's ultimately what happened. 
and also capitalizing on turnovers. The 49ers need to make sure they do, uh, and also finishing on turnovers. Tayshawn Gibson should have had an interception in the game. I think that would have been big as well. Um, but, you know, those are things we're going to see if they do. I don't think this is indicative of how the entire season no. is going to go. Um, but now you're in a 16-game season. and you Wipe that one away. 16 games, win more than you lose. I mean, that's the goal. You got to get to the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. So next up, Horse, let's talk about this offensive line. How did you feel the offensive line did? Because we have the interior guys, Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks, that were in their first starts as pros. And then you had Jake Brendel, who isn't very experienced, getting his first start. How did you think overall they looked? Because last week we talked about whether there would be chemistry problems between the offensive line because they hadn't played with Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey in games. It was basically just practice. Yeah, and I think a few of those chemistry problems did show during the game. There were some issues in the run blocking that you could see pop up from time to time of them uh, not executing correctly. Uh, McGlinchey did give up one sack, although I think he played a lot better than people are saying. Um, his run blocking was good. I think the interior guys, actually, the two guards actually both played pretty well considering it was their first start. I think they both had their mistakes, but I thought they played better. I thought they had more good plays than bad plays. Um, I thought the same thing with Brendel. And Big Trent did give up a sack, but that seemed more on Trey or the coverage. You know, whatever reason, he didn't get rid of the ball. He added a long time on that play. But I... I give him a B minus. The yeah, line. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't think it was horrible. I, I think I saw that it was just over thirty percent, maybe like close to thirty five percent pressure rate uh, in this game. And there's a lot that goes into that. Of course, you don't know how how much the ball was being held, if there's open receivers being missed. All that you know gets revealed in game film. But I thought overall the Forty Nineers offensive line did pretty good in the run game. Anytime you can rush the ball for over four point eight yards a carry, yeah. uh, you're doing a pretty good job. And then. I thought that they held up the best that they could. And the same way I'm kind of looking at Trey Lance and saying, like, you know what? I'm not going to completely get on this guy for his misplays because we expect this from young players. Mm -hmm. I expect the same sort of missteps from interior offensive line as well. And I think, unfortunately, offensive linemen in general, uh, their mistakes are so highlighted uh, because they result in big yeah. plays like McGlinchey getting beat. You know, he got beat that one time, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. And I think sometimes we look at these and we expect them to be perfect. Uh, they're not all going to be Trent Williams. Not everyone can play to that caliber in this league. And that's why when you get a player that plays that perfect level, they get a 99 in Madden and they get, you know, highly touted as an all pro because uh, there's not very many guys that can do it at that level in this league. Definitely. Everyone else is just trying to have good performances, make stack good plays, have six good plays in a row before they have one bad yeah. one. That's what it's about. So I want to see the continued development in the offensive line, but overall from week one, I thought it was pretty good considering who we had starting on the interior offensive line. Yeah, I didn't. I was not disappointed with the line. I, I, I thought it was a decent performance. I thought they played good enough to win. Yeah, I thought so. They gave the 49ers an opportunity to win. Uh, it did not work out. But one guy that did a really good job and tore it up, in fact, was Talano Hufanga. Horse and Talano Hufanga makes an impact in this game. And of course, it was getting a lot of coverage from Daryl Moose Johnston. He was very high on Hufanga's play during the game. I thought Hufanga had himself a very good game. The, the things that we talked about a long time ago were run fits. He did very good in run fits, and he was able to blow up screen plays and things around the line of scrimmage. In the box, he looked fantastic. And then, of course, uh, he's a turnover magnet. He's a guy that finds the ball. Those are the kind of guys you need in the defense, and he creates a turnover for the 49ers. He did. Um, Sion definitely did create a oh, lot of gosh. big plays. But he, 
And I think it's what I expected, at least out of him. Maybe not this, you know, high level, but I expected him to be that kind of player. He did look like he blew a coverage on the backside on that touchdown to um, St. Brown. Whichever St. Brown that is. I don't know how to say his name, so that's why I just said St. Brown. Yeah. So, ESB. Yeah. um, Yeah. So he did have that moment, but I think coverage is where we all knew he was going to be late to the party, you know. And But, yeah, in the box, around the box, he played fantastic. He made a lot of big plays. Um, his blitzing was nice. His um, open field tackling is really good. He created a turnover. So I was really happy with what Hufanga brought to the table. Yeah, I think, you know, I, it's one of those times where I was really missing Jimmy Ward in, in this instance for the mere fact that, those two guys together, I think, are you know playing at Pro Bowl caliber levels. If Hufanga can continue this uh, level of play, it was one outing, um, but I, I'm very hopeful for how he's going to play in the future. I think he could be really exciting, and I think that was very nice to see is because we needed guys to step up. Hufanga didn't have his running mate, so he stepped up and carried the load, and his ability in the box uh, makes it a little bit easier you know, to, to have somebody else like Tayshawn Gibson playing next to him because you know what you're going to get out of Ufonga. I thought he did a really good job. I was excited about the way he flashed. And he was making plays in the backfield. And for a safety to do that, uh, was exciting. He gave me a little bit of Troy Polamalu vibes occasionally. I don't want to... Yeah, I didn't want to use... Me too. I didn't want to use that. I didn't want to... I don't want to put that on him because, I mean, Polamalu's, you know, just a next level player. But I thought that at times he gave me those vibes, which is exciting for a young player, especially another fifth-round pick for the 49ers have. Horse, and let's go ahead and talk about other positives from week one um you know what were some other positive players some other positive things you saw in this game that you think the Fortiners can build on as they move towards seattle um i definitely enjoyed Traverius ward i thought he did a great job his jersey wasn't even dirty at the end of the game it wasn't. wouldn't throw his way um i enjoyed his play um manuel mosley facts they didn't even Mo- try to throw towards emmanuel mosley I mean, they just didn't even throw it his way. They ran a screen that way, and it was to the slot receiver, not even on Mosley. They didn't want to touch Mosley. They barely challenged Charverius Ward, and when they mm-hmm. did, Ward made great plays. I thought overall the cornerbacks for the 49ers looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, I thought the, the defense, defense front, I thought, played really well. I'm with you. Um, Kinlaw seemed like he was playing well. Um, of course, Nick Bosa had a sack, and he was a problem the whole game. Um, we didn't see much from Ebicom. Or... He had a sack. Did he have a sack? He had a sack in the very first drive of the game. He finishes the third down off with a sack of Justin Fields. Yeah, so Let's I mean see. that's the thing. Ebicom and Nick Bosa are the, the have the two sacks in the game. I thought later in the game Armstead makes some plays, but overall the 49ers... that's who I was going to say was Armstead. I thought they really struggled to block him. The 49ers run defense looked good. I mean mm-hmm. they they held Chicago. In fact, the defense looked good overall. I mean, until Justin Fields finds Dante Pettis on that throw, there's just nothing doing for that for that Bears run or pass game. They were getting absolutely shut down. There was no lanes for David Montgomery to run. Uh, Justin Fields just couldn't get anything going. But after that, things changed, of course. But mm-hmm. I felt like the defense played well because even the touchdown that they gave up, they gave up the fluke touchdown. So Dante Pettis uh, throws the ball across the field. And then the second one, it's a short field. And it's a yeah. short field that is extended again by the you know the the penalty uh to Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, I def Oh, such, oh, such a annoying penalty. Um <laughs> No, it's I thought that, like you're saying most of the defense played well. Um 
I wish Greenlaw could take back a couple things he did there as far as penalties, but even those, nothing was egregious. Um, I thought all pro, all pro Fred had his typical game. Um, now, if we want to go offense. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Jawan Jennings. Yeah. I thought both of those um, guys had good And games. I thought Elijah Mitchell was playing really well before he got injured. He was playing fantastic. 6.8 yards per carry is absolutely um, fantastic. Outside of the fumble, Debo played well. Yeah, I mean, especially when he was in the backfield, you know, uh, 6.5 yards a carry, a touchdown where he absolutely runs over Eddie Jackson. I thought there was standouts. That's the thing. There's standouts on both mm -hmm. sides of the ball. That's why it's frustrating that the 49ers don't walk away with a victory against the Bears because you go out there and you feel like you should have won, but they don't handle business and they lose, and you got to give credit to the Bears for winning. But I think the 49ers can look at a lot of the goods and a lot of the good performances they had and say, you know what? We just need to build on those. We need to eliminate these mistakes. They take away even half of those penalties, and you take over and you take away half of the turnovers. The 49ers have a better opportunity to win. I think that's their goal going into the next week. Yeah, definitely. It was the key factor was the penalties. I all three Bears touchdown drives were extended by penalties. I do think that it was a key turnover, Trey Lance's interception, because it was in you know the 49ers territory where the Bears had a short field to be able to score. And I think with 13 to 10, if you can drive down and score at that point. You know, you can take back control of the game. And that turnover was so pivotal. Um, I think that was a big play for the Bears at that moment. They needed that to go ahead and, and put the Foreigners in a tough situation. And they did it. They handled business. They did, didn't they? Yeah. Wasn't that cute? Yeah, that was frustrating. Um, Horse, so let's flip it to Seattle. Uh, Foreigners are going to be playing the Seattle Seahawks this week. Division rival. We're hoping the Niners are going to switch the trend of what has been happening previously, where the Niners have struggled against Seattle. Maybe they'll start... The other end, because Geno Smith, Drew Locke, uh, quarterback questions all over the place. But what is your defensive key matchup for the 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks? I'm going to go with the obvious one and take War Traverius Ward and um, Emmanuel Mosley versus Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, their quarterback is not good enough to create plays. It's not Russell Wilson back there anymore. So if we don't get burnt, if we don't get, you know, give up the deep ball, an easy one, they're going to struggle to move the ball through there. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a key matchup in this game. It's the first, you know, legitimate test for the 40-yard secondary. I don't think they were tested very much against the Chicago Bears. Some of that receiver core is not to the level of Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks have a really good receiver core. But I think also the weather conditions didn't allow a Darnell Mooney to use his speed. You know, didn't allow a Pringle to use his speed. They built it on speed there. Uh, they both made some plays in that game, but uh, that's not, they're not DK Metcalf. You know, that size and speed, they're not Tyler Lockett, who is, you know, very good at finding little crevices to be able to get open. So I am curious how that, you know, how this works out because I think it could also be uh, that Samuel Womack on Tyler Lockett in the slot is a key matchup in this game. Uh, so the secondary for the 49ers against the receiving core for Seattle is definitely something to watch. And Womack's going to get a real big test uh, once they start putting Tyler Lockett there. Yeah, that's definitely going to be the toughest matchup he's seen in his two-week NFL career. <laughs> yeah, and it might not get it might not get uh, harder than that horse, actually. That might be the toughest one that's overall. What, it's definitely the top few. Yeah, so let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, what is your offensive key matchup for the 49ers against Seattle? What do they need to do on offense uh, to be able to beat the Seahawks defense? I'm going to be honest. It's got to be Trey Lance versus the critics. Ooh, he's got to be able to keep that stuff out of his brain and understand that he's a good football player and that he just needs to execute the game plan. 
and I still have faith that he can execute the game plan and can be a good player. Um, so I really think it's it's him keeping his head right, not getting too discouraged by the first game, and um, coming out, and also not too, being too overly, I'm going to show them, you know, like too fired up. Because it looked like he was a little too fired up at the start of the game this week, and he overthrew a couple balls. So I think it's a lot of it's Trey keeping his head level, not letting the outside criticism or his own fire to be great take over and keeping his head level and play well. I think what you said at the end is the part that I'm gonna gonna talk about is his own desire to be great. Um, I think that does motivate him, but it can also be a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You can put too much pressure on yourself. And, you know, you have the old adage about quicksand is when you start making mistakes, at what point are you trying so hard not to that you actually put yourself in in tougher situations and start sliding? I think that is something to monitor and watch for him. But as far as mindset goes, this guy stays pretty even keel across the board. He makes a mistake. He bounces back. He makes a big play. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get too high. That's one thing I've liked about him overall is his mindset. He stays really calm and collected. I'm hoping that continues because uh, I'm hoping he comes back and bounces back. He, he, he looked at his bears performance as ups and downs. Um, so I'm hoping that we can build on those ups and can continue to see yep. him you know, work forward. Uh, but it's just a first performance. So I think you're right. I think, you know, part of this offense is going to be Trey Lance understanding who he is and having belief in himself. I don't think he questions himself. I think he understands what he's supposed to do. Uh, but we'll see because now the critics are going to come out in full force. Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. There's going to be all the trade talk because of Dak Prescott. There's going to be a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes. Trey can focus on the football field and focus on his game getting better. I think he's going to continually get better. And I think not having those weather conditions is going to be important in this game too. Yeah, it's all important. It all intertwines. And I think that, and I don't think he'll let them get to him. I think he will come bounce back from this. Uh, but it's very important that he does because we need a better performance from the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you need a good performance for the from the quarterback, and you know that a lot of that's going to go to the fact that you're probably not going to have Elijah Mitchell. Um, run game without Elijah Mitchell is is an issue. You saw it; the run game changed in this game. Uh, it was it changed a lot because Jeff Wilson Jr. comes in. They did not rely on Debo Samuel late in this game to run. It was more early on in the first half that was part of the Debo package. Um, but without Elijah Mitchell, the run game changes from 6.8 yards per carry to a lot lower. Uh, what does that mean now, Horse? I mean, you got Jordan Mason on the roster. They did not you know, log a single carry in this game. TDP was inactive. What do you expect the 49ers to do with the running back room if it's Jeff Wilson, Jordan Mason, and TDP? Um, I expect all three of them to get the ball in this game if, that, if Elijah's out. Um, I think they have to win with a different style of running because no one else on their in their running back room brings his style of running. The rest are kind of more power guys. Um, TDP's a little bit more explosive than the other two to me. But, I mean, at least from watching on TV, I know you saw them in person a lot more. But um, I think that we're going to need a big game from someone. I mean, it's that simple. We're yeah. going to need a big game. And I think you'll see a lot of Debo. Yeah, you've now lost the explosive factor of your offense. Elijah Mitchell gave you that explosiveness. Uh, this is one of the things I talked about with Jason on the Ant Hill show. Uh, he was very critical of Jeff Wilson Jr. And I, I try to tell him, like, the explosiveness between Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. is stark. That's the difference between a starting running back in the league and not a starting running back. Jeff Wilson Jr. is not a starter. He's a volume carry guy for you. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is able to explode through those holes, get to second level, 
before they're able to mm-hmm. get a grasp on him, where Jeff Wilson Jr. is having contact at the second level. It's not against any. It's not anything against Jeff Wilson Jr. He's going to do the job that Kyle wants him to do. But Elijah Mitchell's just on a different level. He's yeah. a Pro Bowl caliber player when healthy. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy, which is a concern. But this 49ers run game is could change drastically with Wilson Jr., Jordan Mason, and TDP. Uh, you might want to go to more of a gap scheme, more of a power run style. You might want to load up on extra guys, and that's that definitely changes the game. I mean, it was just a few years ago the 49ers were predicated on speed between Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. You know, and those guys, and now they're predicated on power. And without Elijah Mitchell, they don't have that speed factor except for Debo Samuel. How many carries can you actually give it to Debo Samuel early on in the season? Once again, I'd like to limit it to like six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you want Debo running that much. That's that's especially sure. inside. No, you want you want Debo to stay healthy. You need him for the long haul. And you know, you gotta somewhat take advantage of him at the receiver position as well. I think creative run game will come again. They'll probably use Debo. Uh, maybe they'll see Ray McLeod run the ball a little bit more. Brandon Ayuk. I think Kyle would love to get these screen passes down, these smoke screens and tunnel screens that he wasn't they weren't able to execute against the Bears. Um, I think that you know maybe Trey will you know execute those at a higher level. I think that's something he's gonna work on during the week. Yeah, I'd hope so because they, that's a huge part of getting Trey going, like we've talked about, is he needs, and especially replacing the explosiveness in the run game without Elijah Mitchell, is they need to get those screens and short throws going. Yeah, because those are basically run plays, right? Those extended handoffs out to these wide receivers where they can make plays, and they've got guys who create with the ball in their hands. Uh, So that's definitely something they need to do, and it's not going to be easy without Elijah Mitchell, but we've seen the 49ers do it before. Seen Kyle Shanahan come up with game plans to make it happen. I'm sure they can do that. Now, Horst, I want to get a wow that's really bold prediction from you for either offense or defense or both, whichever ones you feel like doing for this game against the Seattle Seahawks. Hmm. I'm going to go with that the 49ers create four turnovers. Woohoo. Four freaking turnovers. I love that. Well done, Horse. Horse is coming at you with four turnovers. Do you have any idea what those turnovers are going to be or just say, in general? I'm going to say two strip sacks and two picks. I love it. I absolutely love it, Horse. And um, they're also going to bring that one guy from the Jets that punched Geno Smith before out, out of the crowd to punch him again. I don't think that's going to happen. The Why rest not? of your prediction I would love to happen. Um, And with that, four turnovers, what is your game prediction going to be, Horse? Because... Four turnovers would make you think the Fourers are going to win, but I just watched the Fourers commit twelve penalties and two turnovers and lose to the Chicago Bears. How do you think the Fourers do against the Seattle Seahawks? Three to two. Real score. <laughs> um, I still am going to keep the faith on them here on this one. I'm going to say Niners twenty-seven to fourteen. 27-14, a nice 13-point victory at home against the Seattle Seahawks. I would love to see it. I'd love to see 27 points if the 49ers offense gets it rolling. Defense continues to play well. I think that's within the realm of possibilities, but we'll see how that goes. But, Horst, you know what that means now? It is time for the segment in which everyone looks forward to on Slightly Offsides, the Horsting Around segment. What do you got for me this week for Horsting Around? Face says it. Um, it, it's just funny to me 
because I've literally seen the same people that were yelling, screaming to get Garoppolo out of there are now doing the same thing to Trey. And it's, Already? I don't, all these people, I don't know what you expected. He's essentially a rookie quarterback. There's going to be downs. There's going to be downs. This is what we tried to tell you all offseason. It's not necessarily the wrong move. We're not, I, at least I'm not, I'm not going to speak for him, but I don't think he's saying it either, that it's the wrong move. But there's going to be ups and downs when you have a new quarterback. Not every, not every young quarterback plays like Patrick Mahomes when he first comes in. Remember how bad Josh Allen was his first year? And second. Josh Allen can complete a pass. I mean, and I think people were expecting too much of Trey Lance as far as the people that are being unrealistic. You know, that we're just like, oh, put Trey Lance and he's going to run for 100 yards and throw for 300 yards every game. Not what happens. I still think he's going to have a do well, but there's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. People need to calm down, relax, let the guy play. You guys got what you wanted. You got Trey. Now take the ups and downs and go with it. Yeah, I mean, it's week one. I mean, it's in weather. They're on the road. Uh, I think we just, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Let's wait and see how the young kid does against the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> and let this thing kind of play out. You know, I mean, Kyle has shown uh, faith in Trey Lance. The the leadership of this team has showed faith in Trey Lance. And so let's see what he does when he gets out there in a, a clear field. I think that's going to give a better idea. You want to see how he bounces back. It's not so much that they take lumps. It's how they respond to those lumps. And I want to see what the young kid does. And there's no there's no reason why I don't think that in the next 16 games, he can't grow to the, the point where he could help the Warriors win playoff games and maybe even get them to a Super Bowl, depending on how he develops. It could go the other way, too. There's just no guarantees with a young player on how they're going to play. But I think we're optimistic because of the way Kyle Shannon has built this team around him. The defense played solid. They'll continue to play solid. But they got to get this run game going and make sure that Trey Lance feels comfortable in the pocket because when the run game's going, that helps that offensive line, which ultimately Definitely. helps Trey. So I think that there are some and things I always, that need to, be go, you know, that need to still bad. be worked on. No, good. I always gave Jimmy that, too, when they couldn't get the run game going, that it really didn't help him. And we got to give the same thing to Trey. As soon as Elijah Mitchell went out, they struggled a little bit. Yeah, I think the game plan changes a little bit for sure. You know, I, I think that, you know, Trey's going to catch criticism and that's okay. I think he knew, he knew that. He knew what he was signing up for, becoming the, the quarterback one for the 49ers. And, you know, the, the plays that he deserves to get criticism on, get criticism. The plays he doesn't, he shouldn't. Uh, it, it's just like any other quarterback mm -hmm. in this league. When they make a mistake, that's fine. They, they deserve to take it when they make a good play, they deserve it. And then overall, when it's not their fault, they shouldn't be blamed for it. And I think sometimes everything gets blamed on every player. It's like Dre Greenlaw, unfortunately. It felt like once he made a couple mistakes, every single mistake that happened, people were like, it was Dre Greenlaw's fault, even when it wasn't. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, it's just... Now, if they lose this game, fire Shannon and trade Trey, right? <laughs> uh, you'll probably get that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of just the way things happen. Um, I think, you know, people are very passionate about their football team and you know, I mean, you got to let things play out. You got to let teams grow. You got to let teams, you know, get better. This is not the the end-all be-all of who this football team is. It takes teams different amounts of time. We've seen how many teams get hot at the end of the year and then be very difficult to defeat. I know I had teams that I coached that we were ready to roll from day one, and then sometimes it was two, three weeks in the season where the team started mm -hmm. kind of taking hold and getting rhythm, and then we were a force to be reckoned with. So I think it just depends on how many moving pieces you have, you know, and especially when you have a young quarterback, just getting those pieces to fit. They have young pieces around, so they'll figure it out, though. I think so. I still have faith this is going to be a very good year.
Yeah, and I have Faith Horse that slightly offsides is going to continue to dominate over on Patreon. Dominate? Dominate. We so, dominate? Of course. Of course. Uh, dominate Patreon. And if you would like to catch more episodes of Slightly Offsides, where we go even more offsides than we did today, uh, for sure, because this one was on YouTube, but uh, hop over to Patreon and sign up for, uh, for Patreon. You can get Slightly Offsides. You can get episodes like 40 Yards Face Off. That is also a bonus episode on YouTube this week, which also features Horse over here, but with Jay Hill. Uh, there's other cool stuff over there as well, from film breakdowns, you know, to all, all kinds of stuff. Previewing the Seattle Seahawks that'll come up later this week. A preview of that. So hop over there, sign up today, so you can get the exclusive content that's over there, including two full shows with slightly offsides and forty nine face off. We say all sorts of s words. <laughs> well played. Well, well played. I mean, it's just you can't say. Do you want to hear curse words? No. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. no. thanks, horse. <laughs> well, well played. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Hope you guys like, uh, comment, and subscribe. Let me know what you thought of the episode in the comment section. Uh, had a lot of fun with this one, horse. Looking forward to next week. We'll be talking about the 49ers. Hopefully a win against the Seattle Seahawks, followed by... I'd love to see it. Yeah, a look forward to good old Danger Russ and the Denver Broncos. That'll be a Sunday Night Football matchup, so... But we're going from Seattle to Mr. Unlimited next week. We don't play. Yeah, we do. We play them? The Denver Broncos, we play in week three, Sunday night football. Yes, it's happening. He's unlimited. He's unlimited. Uh, our potential for this show, Horse, is unlimited. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys have a good one. We'll catch you on the next one. We're out.